Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this very special edition of the Empire Podcast. Star Wars The Last Jedi, the biggest film of 2017, is out this week. Uh, If you're listening to it in the week commencing April 9th, that is. If not, ignore me completely. It's out this week on DVD and Blu-ray. And so I thought you might enjoy this interview with two of the film's key figures. The director, Ryan Johnson, and The Last Jedi himself, Mark Hamill, a.k.a. Luke Frickin' Skywalker. Now, this interview isn't as lengthy as other Empire specials, but it is a lot of fun. And if you're looking for an interview that delves deep into The Last Jedi, well, this isn't that interview either. If you do want that, our Last Jedi spoiler special features Ryan Johnson digging deep into the film, and that's available for you to listen to now. All you have to do is search for it. Uh, What this does, hopefully, is give you a sense of the two men and their dynamic together. They clearly enjoy each other's company. And you know what? I hope you do too. Um, Some more quick notes to set things into some sort of context before we begin. This interview took place in a London hotel room, not the pod booth, the morning after the Empire Awards back in March, where Ryan was named Best Director, Star Wars won Best Film, And Mark received the Empire Icon Award, which he marked with a sweet but surprisingly short speech. I say short because, well, as you're about to hear, and I mean this in the best possible way, you don't interview Mark Hamill, you hang on for dear life. The man is a force of nature. Get it? Force of nature. So he talks about receiving the Icon Award and a lot more besides. So here we are. Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson, but let's face it, mostly Mark Hamill, talking about when they first met what it's like to be an icon, whether they get recognised in public, their feelings on Donald Trump, the Beatles, and much, much more. It's time to take your first steps into a larger world. Oh, and unlike most Empire Podcast interviews, this one just starts. Again, you don't interview Mark Hamill. He happens to you. And I had an absolute blast. Hope you do too. Here you go. Enjoy. Acting! <laughs> I'm acting! That acting. was John Lovitz. It was. He was so good. <laughs> you get Saturday Night Live here? Uh, no. Well, no. you see it, you just don't get it. Okay. Yeah. I love that joke. It's so good. Steve Allen did that. <clears throat> see, he would ask, answer questions to the audience. I read books. Mr. Allen, I was just wondering if they get your program in... Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well, they see it, but they don't get it. <laughs> I thought that's so fast. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if your lovely wife Jane, your son Steve Jr. in the audience tonight, why are you planning on burglarizing my apartment? <laughs> that you can turn around a question and make it mean something completely different. Uh, is, that, genius. is that what you're going to do today? That's no, funny. I'm not that talented. I'm just quoting uh, witty people. I'm not okay. actually witty myself. <laughs> Is that what you've done throughout the whole of your career? You Pretty just, much. You just quoted witty people. Yeah, exactly. That's what was so intimidating about last night. I didn't have any writers. <laughs> I didn't look up the description of what icon meant until that morning. Oh, really? And I thought, oh, my God. I mean, I won't tell you what it said, but the example was Elvis Presley. <laughs> and I can assure you, Chris, I know Elvis Presley. I'll, I'll take issue with that. I'll argue with that. Uh, Ryan, you can speak for Mark. What's, what's iconic about this, this man sitting Everything is iconic about this man. <laughs> about uh, Luke. About Luke. That's the thing. I mean, what Daisy said is really true, though. I mean, um, you know, it's intimidating 
the first time. The first time I sat down and talked, I came over to your house yeah. and we sat down and talked. I don't know if you could tell. I was petrified. Really? I, absolutely. No. But but we then watched Sergeant Bill. Go that's together. the thing. When I first sat down, <laughs> by the end of like our four hours together, I just felt like I was hanging out with yeah. you know, wow. a fellow. Because we got geek. to the point in the conversation so. Anyway, you know, that wind up yeah. feeling. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm still having fun. And we were out in the grown up room, like the living room. Yeah. And I thought <laughs> I should bring them into my the the room where all the toys and the, the man. Okay. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And uh, he'd never seen Sergeant Bilko. It was one of my favorite classic 50s. Well, he saw, but he didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's that was great. And I'll tell you one thing where I thought now I, I really bonded with this guy. Because after about an hour or so, I said, I have to tell you about coming back to this thing. Yeah. I'm terrified. I'm so scared. And you know what he said? Me too. And I thought, he didn't have to say that. Even if he felt that way, you know, he might not want to reveal that part of him. Yeah. But the fact that he was that frank, I thought, see, now this is a guy I, I can relate to. <laughs> so that was a four-hour Four hour first conversation. Was yeah. it was it scheduled for four hours or no, was it the quick? It like I don't a, even remember it being four hours. It just yeah. seemed like it, you know, the it time just, just flew by. by. It was yeah. a great a great first date. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And now we're an old married couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Predicting like, each other's uh, reactions. Yeah. <laughs> These are all my anecdotes. <laughs> Bickering over the Bilko box sets. <laughs> yeah. I saw it first, says Mark. No, Ryan, that's mine. You know, that really surprised me when I first came to England. Because Bilko had sort of fallen out of favor. They prefer color, you know, bewitched and <laughs> yeah. modern series because black and white doesn't score as well in the ratings. And it's such a classic series. It wasn't running in Los Angeles. It was running at 11 at night, 1130 at night in San Francisco. And I was reminded how good they were when I came to England. They're on BBC Two or whatever. They had... Every week they had it would sign off with an episode. Yeah, Sergeant Bilko. Yeah. And I thought, why is this really? so popular? Everybody loved it, and mm. I said, oh, of course, because it's like the ultimate stereotype of an American: brash, <laughs> money hungry, <laughs> loudmouth, no devotion to country, only for self-aggrandizement. <laughs> it's like a parody of the ugly American. Uh, <laughs> Plus, it's Phil Silvers, and he's genius. You know, uh, oh, it was the Phil Silvers version you were watching? I thought it was the Steve Martin film. Oh, you were, no, you were, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no, the, the Steve Martin one's so superior. It's, it, it's far, far better. You should check it out, Mark, if I you haven't see seen it. Okay. Well, you know, I was just going to say that. Uh, uh, Neil Simon, when he had a partner, Terry Ryan, cut his teeth selling scripts to Bilko. He, he wow. wrote four or five of them hmm. before he went solo and delegated to Terry Ryan to obscurity. And now, we have, <laughs> now we have Bilko running the country. <laughs> I said I it, not you. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, I always Mark... compared it to P.T. Barnum, but, but P.T. Barnum was a benign con man. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, no, we won't go any further. I was going to say, because uh, you have not been backwards in coming forward about Donald Trump <laughs> over the last few no, months. No, but listen, I'm in the escapism business, and I keep my opinions <laughs> to social media where you can ignore or unfollow me. I don't go on television about it or do it in interviews because I, I agree. People say, you stick to acting. Who cares what you think? I said, well, if I vote, I'm a voter, so I get an opinion. Mm. If you're a truck driver and you vote, I don't say... 
I don't want to hear your opinion. Stick to truck driving. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets gets to as long as you vote. It really bugs me people that don't vote. In yeah. Australia, you get a, like the equivalent of a parking ticket if you don't vote. The upshot is like more than ninety three percent of the population votes because they don't want to pay that twenty thirty dollar parking ticket. Yeah. And plus, they put the the uh, uh, we should have our election day on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, we should. Because people say, yeah. "Well, I'm at yeah. work, or I have yeah. to pick up my kids." They have excuses. Yeah. Yeah, right. Since yeah. it's on a Tuesday, yeah. yeah, they should also maybe attach a prize to it. Oh, that's so you, you know you could like a jet ski, a jet ski. Yeah, uh, you know, I think to me, or if you can't afford a jet ski, just a picture of a jet ski. That's the yeah. uh, that's the best thing. Um, Mark, you didn't win the picture of a jet ski last night. Your speech wasn't as long as I was hoping it would be. Really? Because the thing is, you lose track of time when you're up there. And when I sat down, I thought, you know, my, my point was, this, I, I had threads of thought that I abandoned. For instance, I, sa- I said, we didn't have Empire when I was a kid. We did have Famous Monsters. Yeah. But both magazines inspire future uh, filmmakers and actors and uh, to, to follow their dreams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was going to say the fact that the black and white King Kong changed my life. Yeah. When I realized there's somebody that goes to work and their job is to make dinosaurs come to life. <laughs> you know, I want that job. I mean, I don't know if I could do it, but I know, I mean, I've watched these documentaries on the Walt Disney program where they would, the making of Darby O'Gill and the little people or whatever. And you'd see the I carpenter. Yeah, I love that movie too. But The Banshee. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the Banshee. Every, every Disney film yeah. has a moment that makes little kids pee their pants. Petrified. I know. That was yeah, absolutely was terrifying when I saw it. Yeah. But my point is you saw, you know, Disney would pull back the curtain and you'd see the carpenters and the camera crew and the wardrobe people. So I thought that gave me hope because I thought, I don't know if I have the talent to succeed, but, mm. you know, I could I could be do, you know, one of those ancillary jobs. Yeah. I'm not a bad cook. I could cater the film. I don't have to be in the show. I want to be near the show. And it's magazines like, in, in your case, Empire that are inspiring young people, famous monsters that in, inspire uh, inspired me. I, I remember a light bulb went off when I was four or five. I saw um, Clarence Nash recording a Donald Duck cartoon. <laughs> now, I probably, if I rationalized it, well, I, of course, humans yeah. do the voices. But it, it never occurred to me because it you know, emerges fully blown with the music and it's all done. Uh, and I thought, again, a grown-up goes to work and his job, he gets a paycheck for talking like Donald Duck. And I filed that away because yeah. I didn't know yeah. anybody in show business. My parents didn't know anybody in show business. We didn't know anybody who knew anybody in show business. It was so far away and distant. Yeah. But again, see, uh, that was sort of the thread I wanted to get to last night. But, um, you know, I didn't write out a speech you know, and I was going to start questioning, you know, what is an icon? How did I get here <laughs> over a mountain of merchandising? That's a good start. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm an electric toothbrush. I'm a sleeping bag. <laughs> I'm a pair of underoos. I'm an army of action figures. But then again, you, you know, I'm not uh, a stand-up comic. I want to be uh, respectful. Yeah. It's hard in these in these situations because uh, again, I, I I thought I I said is Empire really sure that I deserve this? And then I looked up the 
the actual dictionary description, I said, they're out of their minds. (laughs) It it was described as someone or something that is revered or idolized. Now, again, it's probably Luke that they're thinking of, but I don't, as even Stephen said something that I was going to say, which was, I don't feel like a legend. Yeah. What does a legend feel like? I don't feel like like an icon, but uh, it's glad I'm glad to know somebody thinks that. Well, <clears throat> I presume an icon gets a better table in a restaurant. Then, <laughs> yeah. listen, you never get recognized where it could help you. <laughs> like if you, you know you, you're 20 minutes till curtain and you want to get a table, I could stand in the position holding the lightsaber and hum John Williams theme. <laughs> and people will go, and you are. You know when you get recognized? When you're right to the air, uh, to your gate at the airport and yeah. you're running and somebody wants a selfie. <laughs> That's when you get recognized. Ryan, what about yourself? Directors tend to hide in the background, but you could, oh, yeah, you, it's you, so you could nice recognize them. when those directors, it's so nice. <laughs> we get just to... Where they see the documentary? He's all over the uh, director and the Jedi. Over, yeah. he even it's, gave himself top Billing, the director <laughs> and the Jedi. Oh yeah, and the Jedi. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. I mean, I only get the the pleasant stuff, which is mostly like if anyone recognizes me, that the, the likelihood is that they're either um, like a big Star Wars fan now or like a film student, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who is genuinely interested in movies. And so, yeah. um, no, I get I get I get just kind of the pleasant side of it, and I get so little of it that it's um, I can't imagine you know it's a very different thing from what any actor and especially someone like mark gets mm. you, know. but you don't really value your, your anonymity until it's gone mm. you know but it's, it's funny i remember mm. when i was 12 i saw a hard day's night but aside from loving their music mm. their the the self-deprecatory humor they were so relatable mm. um and i thought oh Wow, wouldn't that be great to have girls chasing you down the street? <laughs> it's just all—it's just a nonstop uh, fantasy of, of of stardom. Fast forward, because I've seen this movie. It's to me, if someone called it the Citizen Kane of rock and roll movies. It really is, and I fully yeah. agree. But uh, my daughter was turning. She had a birthday in uh, when we were in London. I said, "What do you want to do for your birthday?" She said, "Well, Hard Day's Night's playing in the theater. I'd love to see it on a big screen." I said, say no more. I hadn't seen it in five or six years. And I went and I saw it from a completely different perspective. Interesting. It was like a horror film. They're completely trapped. Interesting. They go from a car to a train to another car to a hotel room to the radio station, back to the car. That's when they burst out onto the soccer field because they feel liberated Mm. and they get rounded or they break away to go to the nightclub. And their managers say, no, you got to come back and answer the fan mail. I just saw it in a completely Mm. different way than I did when I was a kid. Yeah, because one of the things that's bothersome to me is that we're trapped in this multi-million-dollar uh, memorabilia market, mm-hmm. where now I can't tell the difference between fans and dealers. And they're at the airports. If we go out to a movie, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes you want to be a recluse because I love the fans, and I know that the dealers take advantage of them by jacking up the prices and putting them on eBay. It, uh, one oh, thing crazy, that's yeah. really telling, you'll say, how about a selfie? The real fan will go, oh, I'd love it, you know, if they have a poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Another person with a poster would say, nah, I'd prefer your name on the poster. <laughs> and don't put it to anyone because it's going to be a gift and I don't know who I want to give it to. <laughs> yeah. How about best wishes to eBay? <laughs> Forcefully yours, Mark Hamill. <laughs> but again, I mean, I joke about it, but it really is t- harsh on me because now we go to these events and there's all these people and I don't sign in public anymore. I mean, Unless, like, at the supermarket or, you know, somebody just happens upon me, of course I'll do that. But when there's a big crowd of people, I, I'm assuming most of them are dealers. And it breaks my heart because I do love the fans, but I'm not that fond of the dealers. Mm, absolutely. It's an interesting world. That I've seen people go through the trunks of their car. And they will it's have pictures of everybody. I had yeah. no idea until I did. Well, until I did this, existed. It. It's really. I've seen a guys thing. that yeah. have shopping yeah. carts, and they'll go, "Okay, Tom Cruise, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Up, here's Mark Hamill, yeah. and yeah. that's their job. And you can't really fault them. I mean, it's like paparazzi. Some of those guys make six, seven figures by doing nothing but using telephoto lens and, and getting celebrities on film. But uh, so you get it. I mean, it, it's just. Uh, just a reality that you have to deal with. You mentioned right back at the beginning of the interview uh, the Mark Hamill man cave. And <laughs> Ryan, I wanted to get from your perspective what that man cave is like. Can you describe what the Mark Hamill man cave is like? It's a cave of wonders. <laughs> it's a, tis a magical place. Did it show you your inner self? It really did. did. It was like it was it was like imagine like yeah the cave and empire except the the magic tree and empire except goodness and happiness and geekdom. Puppets. It's so it's so lovely. Monster model kids. You know what it actually remind me of is Guillermo's uh, Bleak House. It's got oh, it's like yeah. a mini version of that. Cause I've just, only seen photographs. Oh, it's but that's so wonderful. Be yeah, it's yeah. so cool, man. But it's like a little mini shrine to everything that Mark loves and it just kind of shows you the inside of Mark's head in a very <laughs> cool cool way that makes you instantly A lot love of these him. things were things that I wanted as a kid uh-huh. but we just didn't have the money for it you know so when I got a little money I said I am going to buy the Beatles flip your wig game <laughs> just because I can. <laughs> when I was that age, I thought, who would play with that? It's so stupid. I was totally about the music. Right, I didn't yeah. buy any of the memorabilia or anything. And the minute they broke up, all those things had an appeal to me that they didn't at the time. Yeah. yeah and I remember Nathan came back. My older son came back from his sleepover when I was first or second grade. He sort of seemed sort of troubled about something and I said well, you didn't have fun he goes no it was okay and I said well what's bothering you he goes Josh's dad doesn't have any toys no. <laughs> I said Josh's dad is a lawyer <laughs> why would he, you know because he lives in a house where he hears dialogue like no this is dad's Batmobile see why <laughs> put D with his fingernail polish go find the Batmobile with G for Griffin and for Nathan <laughs> And he was just upset that the, his his friend's father, when you went into his man cave, it looked like a grown-ups <laughs> lived there, not like an arrested 12-year-old. <laughs> what is the Beatles? What's the game? What's the, the, the game? The Beatles Flip Your Wig Game. Flip Your Wig Game. Yeah. I, for a long one. time, I collect. I don't collect so much anymore, but I was collecting odd uh, board games. Uh, uh, you know, the... Uh, Eddie Cantor's Tell It to the Judge. I loved uh, <laughs> games that were connected with celebrities and uh, or games based on TV shows. Yeah. It, it didn't matter if, even if I didn't like the TV show. Yeah, yeah. If it was, you know, the I Dream of Genie board game, I'd buy it. 
But we went through a phase where I was sort of like buying silly things. And then your priorities shift. You know, the yeah, kids have to go to private school. They have to get braces. And you go, what am I spending $700 on a 10-set comic book? I stopped <laughs> cold turkey collecting comic books years ago. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, is there a Ryan Johnson man cave? If so, what does it look like? What's, what's in there? Uh, oh, it's not as cool as Mark's. I have an office. I just keep all my stuff an in. Office. The closest thing to what you're talking about. Figures. What's that? No, I don't. I have the Yoda figure that Frank signed for me. And that's like... <laughs> but the figure of you and Rom. Oh, yeah. No, I don't have that. Oh, you don't? Rom has that. Oh. Yeah, I don't have room for Tell it him what that. it is in his office in it's, London. I, I like the, the, the um, guys at Pinewood 3D printed Rom and I as stormtroopers <laughs> with our helmets off. And it's eerily like... Oh, it looks just like them. It's very, yeah. very strange, yeah. But no, my version of your getting the old board games, I had these old computer games that I loved growing yeah. up. The yeah. Infocom games, which were the text adventures like Zork. And, uh-huh. and I went on eBay and I collected all 30 of them, okay. like the old versions of them. <laughs> yeah. And so that's like my one. Like, Nathan okay, did that one. with his old Nintendo games. What killed me was on one disc, there was oh, an yeah. untold number of games. I said, yeah. I paid forty nine ninety five for each one know, of those. Now you've got 40 on one disc. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny to see your kids go through. You re- know you're really getting old when they, you have children that experience second childhoods <laughs> because they gave up video games at one point you know when they were like in junior high school it's not cool anymore then they got into you know their early 20s and they started getting nostalgic for sky kid you see and the jaws game so. and to hear all those tunes again because i walk by the room and you hear all those you know yeah, the tunes that are on an endless loop sure yeah. amazing gents i could talk to you all day and uh mark i might want to invite you back on for a special empire podcast beatles special because oh, I, sure. I could talk to you all day about the beatles so me too but uh i will have to wrap it up ryan mark has been an absolute pleasure thank thanks. you so much thanks for thank having you, us Okay, that's it from Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson, and that's it from this very special edition of the Empire Podcast. If you do want more from that duo, and why wouldn't you, pick up the next issue of Empire on sale April 19th. And if you want more from the Empire Podcast, the regular pod is out every Friday, and we have a whole slew of specials this week, including a Ready Player One supporter special with screenwriter Ernest Klein, and a Quiet Place supporter special with writer-director-star John Krasinski. Oh, and a new episode of The Ranking, which is our new monthly show in which we rank a filmmaker or franchise, uh, will be out this week as well, and that will be dedicated to the great Brian De Palma. But again, if you're not listening to it this week, ignore what I just said, but, but still, please do listen to those podcasts. And yes, we will be doing an Avengers Infinity War spoiler special. And you know what? Maybe even more than one. Maybe. Keep them peeled. Uh, and that is it for me. I have been Chris Hewitt. Thank you for listening. And as Luke Skywalker might say, engage. Bye. <laughs>